0: Welcome to the Generation BSC end-of-summer rewatch of Season 1 of the Babysitter's Club series on Netflix. For the next few weeks, watch along with us and revisit our thoughts on the series before Season 2 drops this October. We'll be back in the fall with our own Season 2 as well and can't wait to catch up with you all then. In the meantime, keep your eye on our social media for updates and don't forget to email, DM, comment, or reach out. We love to hear from you all. See you this fall. Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Plasek. And this is Generation BSC – the podcast where we are exploring our relationship with the Babysitter's Club, one book, and now one episode of the television series at a time. Um, We are so excited today to get up to episode four of the Netflix series for our little summer mini-series. So today we're going to be talking about the episode, Marianne Saves the Day. Um, Kate, do you want to remind us a little bit about what happens in the episode? So
1: this is the one where Marianne gets in a fight with the rest of the girls, which is slightly different than in the book, but we're focusing on the show for now. She gets in a fight with the rest of the girls. She makes a new friend. She has babysitting emergencies where she has to advocate on behalf of uh, Bailey, the little girl she's babysitting, and that helps her dad see that she's more mature and responsible than he realized and gives her some you know, autonomy in figuring out who she wants to be in the future.
0: I think that this one really continues the 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 trend that we've noticed of the show finding ways to keep the core of the story the same mm-hmm. and really find beautiful ways to to modernize it to update it to make it a more um more relevant i guess uh to to today's climate. oh God, that was the cheesiest sentence I've ever said <laughs> I just mean um. To a modern world, modern sensibilities. Um, I, I think we touched on it briefly when we first started talking about the series, or, or at, at some point. But, um, I, I remember remember having a conversation about the fact that, uh, just learning to or uh, standing up enough to call an ambulance is not really going to cut it in a modern day and age. Like now, when kids have cell phones and much more, I guess it's a level of sophistication for better or worse, um, that. We've seen that across the show so far, you know, uh, taking, taking the lessons but upping them a, for a maturity level a little bit. Um, and I think that this really – I think maybe even more than the, the last couple of episodes – really nailed um, keeping that story but finding ways to make it new.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Because especially comparing it to the book, you know, the the emergency is basically the same. You know, Marianne is babysitting for one of their charges. Um, in the book, it's Jenny Prezioso. And in the show, it's um, Bailey, who's a new client of the club, which is why they get in a fight in the first place. But yeah, where it goes from there is, you know, because in the book, Marianne, tries to call everybody. She has to call Dawn to, like, help her even call 911 first. You know, so, like, here in the show, Marianne does all the calling she thinks she needs to do. She can't reach anybody. And she figures it out herself. Like, I need to call 911. Because, like, like you said, it's not really – she's figuring out what to do in the emergency is not the issue and not sort of the the learning opportunity for her or the you know the growing opportunity whereas you know when she gets to the hospital with Bailey and the doctor and nurse misgender her that is what gives Marianne the opportunity to you know find her voice on behalf of Bailey and I know when, when we were talking with um, Anna last week we did talk a little bit about the fact that you know there is a trans character which is great but the trans character is used in furtherance of you know Marianne's story as opposed to Bailey's story which is a little frustrating but on the other hand I I have like five hands at this point I feel like but you know on the other hand the the story is about Marianne so I I, like as I was watching this episode I kept going back and forth and back and forth on like I wish they had done this better but I do appreciate that they did this
0: in this way like I'm all over the place (laughs) I fully agree we we hashed a little bit of this out with, our, like I said, in our conversation with Anna last week about um, our feelings on the on this character and and uh, the the representation. Awesome, that's that's fantastic. I, mm-hmm. So I think I, I gave it a lot of thought as I was watching it, and really over the the, the past week, I've been sort of digesting that conversation and, and reconciling it with mm-hmm. my initial feelings on it. And um, and I think you are right that it what it boils down to is it is complicated. There are two things for me that I, I keep coming back to that have made it for me land on the on the side of positive. One is um, so, and I think this is what I was trying to articulate, but I, I it had been a minute since I watched the episode, so I wasn't really um, sure how to talk about it. But what I appreciated was that the lesson was not about Marianne having to become comfortable with a trans kid, mm-hmm. like there was definitely that teaching moment where like there's here's a brief explanation of of what being trans is. Uh, I thought that was handled very nicely. I thought that was handled sensitively, but on a level that um the intended audience of this show would would understand. Um, but that was the end of it. There was no like Oh, is this a big deal? How is this going to make life difficult for her? How do I now have to feel comfortable about mm-hmm. it? There was no there was no coming to terms with it. That wasn't the story. Um and that I did appreciate that it wasn't that it didn't become a Let's Let Marianne Get Comfortable with Trans People episode right. because too often I think when when there is a, a special guest star, when there is a one-off plot line of this nature, whether it's trans, whether it's homeless, whether it's the poor kid or the drug addict, or I don't know, choose your choose your topic on any of those, you know, sitcom tropes. And it usually is about making the main characters comfortable with it or using that person as a cautionary tale for for our, our heroes. And that, Bailey was not treated that way at all. Yes, she was there in service of Marianne's story, but she was treated with respect throughout. Um, and, and that, so that really... Um, is where I sort of landed with that. The other side of things and and I really really appreciated Anna's perspective about the doctors because I had not thought about that at mm-hmm. all um about the 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 fact that um of course you know healthcare is notoriously terrible to any marginalized group and even some non-marginalized groups like that there's degrees of marginalization and intersectionality blah 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 blah, blah. but like doctors are notorious for um ignoring cishet women's pain let alone trans issues. Mm-hmm. So I, I completely and fully take that point. And where I sort of have come to land is I, I think there's a fairy tale aspect to these books and to this show um that I, I'm mostly okay with. I, I think it does a pretty good job of of handling some sensitive issues with care. But I don't know I don't know what it would would have really added to the episode if the doctors had then been realistic and, and clapped mm-hmm. back at her or put her in her place in some way. Um While, I don't know. I mean, I I think it goes back to it being
1: a kid's show or a kid's book series, you know? Yeah, like, I agree. Re- in reality, yes, those doctors would have been like, shut up, kid, we're dealing, you know, y- you're the girl that you, the, the child, I mean, obviously, they probably would have been like, oh, whatever, like, we're dealing with this kid, it doesn't matter. And been like, Marianne, you know, step to the side, let us figure out what's wrong. but. Because we need Marianne to grow and learn from this experience, they have to be nicer and more acknowledging of what they have done wrong, I
0: think, is what it comes down to. Agreed completely. I think it comes down to, like you said, sort of what we talked about last week, too, is what we're really looking for from these shows mm-hmm. to give us. Like, are we looking for gritty realism and like this is a reflection of the world around us, or are we looking for pleasant stories? with a nice message. And I I don't mean that to sound dismissive. Um, I don't think that every piece of art has to be a gritty reflection of the world around us. Not everything needs to be that way. I think shows like this also have a place and are important um, that there is a fairytale aspect, that there is some sort of wish fulfillment in some way. I think that um, people do get something from that as well. So I it is complicated. I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer. I don't think anyone would be uh, is wrong for not finding it the representation to be fulfilling enough. I don't think anybody would be faulted for saying, "Hey, I'm just thrilled that that story's out there." Um, but yeah, I. I I don't know. <laughs>
1: this yeah. basically a, a giant goes like back question and mark forward. in my in my notes. Yeah, right. I mean, I I, I go back I mean, every time that it because since I had been thinking so critically about Bailey and how Bailey is treated and how she is there, you know, sort of in service to Marianne and her story in this, I was being much more critical in my viewing and. My notes are just a bunch of, like, like uh, uh, uh like hedging and uh, yeah. what about this and what about this. And, like, yeah, it's just complicated and, like, 100% so happy that Bailey being trans was just a thing. And, like, Marianne didn't understand it at first and she sort of got it in the moment when she saw Bailey's old clothes and saw her new clothes. And then Dawn sort of goes through, like, you know, everybody just wants their their inside to match their outside, which, like, that's a perfect, you know, I simple way to explain yep. it. For kids, because, like, this is a kids' show. And so I do appreciate that they – like you were saying, I appreciate that they didn't make it about Marianne feeling uncomfortable and her learning and growing is because she became comfortable with Bailey as a person, who she is. And I think that's the way that I think I can sort of get my head around this. Like, Marianne was able to learn and grow because she stood up for Bailey, not
0: because she became comfortable with Bailey. Agreed. Um, and I think that that's a really nice transition point into some of the the Marianne of the story, um, because what what occurred to me is uh, I had written down that quote, too. I want she just wants her insides to match her outsides. And what, duh, didn't click to me to write this moment is that's Marianne's story in this episode, too. Mm-hmm. Marianne is is talk talking about what's inside and how it's reflected outside and on a different on a different. Not a different level, but a different um, aspect of herself, um, personality versus gender, but it, it essentially amounts to the same thing. Um, so I thought that that was one of the the really nice um, tweaks to the story. And I you alluded to this um, in in your summary that the the fight is a little bit different. How did you um, deal with that plotline? What were your big thoughts?
1: I I think that I reacted more strongly to the fight here because it was them sort of all ganging up on Marianne. And that is a feeling that I remember from being a kid and being the sensitive, the quiet one, the sort of the pushover that usually goes along to get along and tries to make everyone else feel more comfortable, which I uh, still an issue for me. <laughs> I'm I'm getting better about it, but it's I mean, I'm still working on that every day. And I feel like I'm very quick to cry. I'm very quick to try to apologize, to make other people feel better. And I feel like Marianne didn't do anything wrong in taking the job that Mrs. Delvecchio said. I want you to babysit Bailey because your dad recommended you. I don't care about the rest of the Babysitter's Club, which, like, that's maybe a problem. And Marianne probably could have explained what was happening a little bit better. But the fact that the girls wouldn't even listen to her and then started getting mad at her for apologizing and just, like, piling on and piling on, and, like, it just made me feel so badly for her because I felt that on a visceral level. (laughs) And at least in the book, it was all of them fighting with each other. So it – like – I understand why Marianne had to be the only one that was being, you know, sort of ostracized. Not uh, not ostracized is maybe a little strong. But, you know, all of the girls needed to be against Marianne because we needed a more streamlined story. And we didn't need the rest of the girls sort of, you know, her trying to be friends with uh, Claudia again like she did in the book. Like, this needed to be streamlined. It's, you know, a 25-minute episode. We needed to get from point A to point B to point C. But I didn't like the fact that it was all of the girls being mad at Marianne as opposed to all of the girls being mad at each other for various reasons
0: i so i agree i i I didn't even really think about it like that, but that's a really good point i I did note the the ganging up um moment, but I had sort of forgotten in the book that they were all mad at each other for other reasons um I was more um I'm Proud is such. When we talk about uh, the the characters, as if they're real people, and I'm, I'm like, I'm so proud <laughs> of her, and I do it all the time. I can't mm-hmm. help it. Um, but I, I was proud that Marianne stood her ground, that she was less like. I mean, she was definitely uneasy being on her own, but the the meet cute with Dawn was adorable. Um, when she comes to the lunchroom and she's sort of being frozen out, which. Side note, uh, Christy sitting with the twins, uh, those twins did not look happy that Christy was sitting with them. Um, <laughs> they were, they look like they wanted the fight to be as much over as Marianne did.
1: Which is kind of interesting because in the book, the shillabers are before the, the, you know, the core babysitters club girls start hanging out all the time and get to, you know, no new peeps level territory. Like Christy and Marianne ate lunch with the shillabers every day. <laughs> so it's like, why exactly. do you guys, like, why are, are you so
0: angry right now? Um, although I get, I get it. Chrissy was throwing a lot of really. There was a lot of strong energy coming their direction. <laughs> little manic, <laughs> yeah. That like laugh can was you, a little intense. Can you chill? Like we just want to eat our can lunch and dial peace. it back about thirty-five notches exactly. Um, but so she had that uncertainty at first, and and she she didn't um, play the victim. Um, she acknowledged that, you know, she had, they may have had some reason to be upset with her. Like, like you said, she could have mm-hmm. done a better job of explaining, um, that request, which by the way, I want to really emphasize is completely reasonable. Yes. If you have a kid that, you know, has special needs of some kind or some kind of special situation or needs some kind of person to be a certain kind of person that not every single person is going to, I don't know. I'm like, I'm trying to be really polite. Basically, if you need someone who's not a shithead, like you <laughs> right. are going to do your absolute best to protect your child no matter what. And if she knows Richard and trusts Richard and feels comfortable with her kid, that's completely, completely um, reasonable. And at the same time, I'm recognized that for those kids, it. it they don't know that. They don't have that history or context. And it doesn't seem reasonable. And I, I did like that they kept in that thread of, of Christy being like, Oh, Mary Ann's the best babysitter. Mm-hmm. Um, just as sort of a little nod to that. But I did like that they cut out that th- it became a competition over who is the best babysitter. I did like that it became, um, less like sniping at each other. It felt less mean spirited mm-hmm. in a, overall in a way. Um, I, and I liked that Mary Ann sort of, held her ground, and the resolution didn't come from her having to back down or grovel or say she was wrong or say, Christy, please take me back. It was through standing up for herself that her dad realized he had gone too far um, because to throw gasoline on the fire, he, in true man fashion, he fixated on the one thing that he could fix, oh, they're bullies? I'll tell their parents, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, a good in- a, a lot of good intentions and bad um, execution uh, across the board in lots of different ways. Um, in any case, it, so I, I felt that the fight seemed more nuanced in in those ways. But I, like I said, I didn't take into account that it was everybody versus Marianne. And so now I'm kind of having to rethink those, um, how I was contextualizing some of that. I also
1: really appreciated that there wasn't the situation from the book where Marianne effectively uses Dawn to make Christy jealous. Like, I'm glad Mm -hmm. that that was just sort of skipped over. You know, she she made this new friend, and it's great, and she's having fun, and, you know, Dawn comes over, although side note, there's a very large plate of cookies on Mary Ann's bed when Dawn comes over after Bailey's babysitting job. And I was like, Don would be nowhere near all those cookies and you know that Richard would not let Marianne eat more than like one or two cookies they're i mean they're like the size of like Oreos so like he'd be like the serving size is two
0: cookies you get two cookies right also he would never let her have a plate of cookies on her bed the crumbs the 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 mess just no exactly <laughs> that, that that was a big old um like okay plot hole <laughs> <laughs> like this
1: maybe at Christie's house sure Marianne's house never Um, yeah, I think my only, like, Concerned, maybe not concerned. The thing that I was a little bit like less excited about was the resolution to their fight because I wish that Marianne had had that opportunity to like come into the next meeting and be like, "Here's what happened." And obviously, it's a show, so you want to show, not tell. But like, the girls are automatically just like, "We heard what happened. Oh my God, we love you. You're the best." And like, there's no real resolution to like the fight part of it. And it's like, did someone explain to them that like Marianne was taking the job because Bailey was a, a special situation, and you know, her mom worked with Don's or with Marianne's dad like I I wish that there had been a little bit more of like her taking agency and being like I stood up for Bailey my dad saw I had a conversation with my dad now I'm going to have the conversation with you as opposed to I mean, I guess she has a little bit of a conversation with Christy, but it's more because Stacey and Claudia are like, Christy, come on, chill out. Like, she's back. She did a great job. Be proud. You know, like, I I wish that Marianne had had the opportunity to take that agency with her friends in addition to, you know, the other opportunities she
0: had in the episode. Yeah, I did like um, that Richard owned his mistake in calling Mm -hmm. the parents. That could not have been easy. Like, once again, showing my age by having – more immediate empathy for the adults in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I was, I just I, – I wrote in my notes, oof, that would not have been a fun phone call. No. <laughs> to be like – especially Liz, because clearly we're getting hints that there is um, some uh, – tension, again, might be a little bit not strong. Not the best of but, um, friends. Yes. They just are very different people. Um, I love those little hints of that. But I do I, – I did note that Christy was um, – absolutely the worst of all of them go figure um my girl christy has a tough couple episode run um, yeah you <laughs> uh, are not, not wrong <laughs> she is not so hot in dawn's episode either although we get to a breakthrough at the end but mm-hmm. we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah we'll, um, we'll
1: get there <laughs> but
0: i do i love the hints of the history between the adults as well because you know that is not the first time that richard and liz have had a conversation about how christy treats marianne um that sure. is the, the, probably a reoccurring conversation that they've been having the, their entire lives. Um, and I – because I am such a Christie, I, I, I am able to have a little bit more empathy for her – some of her fears. And I, I like really the way you recognize some of Marianne's and feel such empathy for her for feeling ganged up. I feel some of Christie's like fear of being replaced, um, her uh, – Feeling insecure about her place within the club, like I understand why Marianne being asked for specifically would feel threatening to her, and and wanting you know control of all things at all times. But at the same time, woof, not a good, not a good look, my love, not a good look. Um, what is a good look is Dawn. Let's talk about our girl Dawn. Um, first of all, I gotta tell you, um, when I said meet cute. I meant meet cute. There was some flirtation happening over the you want to hang out with me later. Ooh, I thought it was so cute. I don't know that I'd call it a meet cute. They just met each other. <laughs> a
1: meet cute is like like the explanation in uh the holidays like, "Oh, I'm shopping for pajamas, but I only need a top. I'm shopping for pajamas and I only need a bottom. Oh, let's just share this pa- pair of pajamas." Like Don's or Marion sitting oh, by herself and Don comes and sits down.
0: Mm, I wouldn't call it a what meet happened. cute. I'm- Mary is in need of – she's in a cafeteria without any of her friends, but beca- but they're all there. Dawn is in the cafeteria alone with no friends because she doesn't have any. They find each other. I think that's kind of like the different halves of the pajamas. And besides, I thought they were
1: adorable. I mean, we can agree to disagree on what a meet cute is. But,
0: yes, I love
1: I love their friendship. I love that they were, like, instantly – Super bonded, like joking around with each other. It was so cute, and like I kind of love that Dawn's like an oversharer. You know, like she just meet met yeah, Marianne, I was just and she's say like, that. "Oh yeah, my parents are divorced. They, you know, they had a my dad because you know, in this obviously we don't know why they got divorced necessarily in the books, but here um, Dawn's dad is gay, and she says, you know, like, oh, they've known they must have known for a while, but they had this whole codependency thing going on. And I'm like, Dawn, you literally just met this girl, <laughs> like take a chill pill, <laughs> like, take a step back. You don't have to tell her everything about your history upon immediately after meeting her.
0: Um, I felt that, though. I I, I loved that. I, I wrote the same thing. I was like, girl, life story. Just data dump. I'll put it all on the table. <laughs> like, just,
1: here, you need to know everything. Um, also, since we're talking about Dawn, I just need to sidetrack. Um, her aunt, or her great aunt, is Morbida Destiny, which, like, in the books, I have this n- knowledge that, like, mrs schaefer's last name is porter morbida destiny is mrs porter they must be related in the books too but like i until i don't this show that at all i was like what they are related <laughs> this is insane
0: see i thought it, i just fully took it as a show invention as a way to um well that's what i'm know, saying i don't know a little if, bit more naturally
1: i don't know if it ever was a thing but like sharon porter is her name and mrs porter yep, is that's Morbid true a destiny so like m- maybe it's just a coincidence in the books and like you know nobody kept that page from their show or you know book bible or whatever but like right it, it I, I when that happened i was just like wait did i forget this from like did it did I, my mind get erased about this fact from the books did i miss something but like i don't know <laughs> It, it I don't know. That just, like, completely threw me. But back to Dawn, I love her. She's, like, the best friend. I love that she is, like, oh, I'm from California. We just know things. Like, when she explains what being transgender is to Marianne, she's just like, oh, yeah, just, like, I know things. And I'm just like, okay. I love that about you.
0: I thought they did a really good job of sort of recalibrating Dawn and her mom mm-hmm. um, specifically to – to emphasize Dawn's maturity without making it um problematic yes. or um it, or not um push her into a parentification role and i think that part of that um is that that they got rid of Jeff. Jeff is just not mentioned at yeah. all. Um so I'm I'm going to go with he doesn't exist cuz I that feel like that would have come up. Right. Um <laughs> which I'm a little disappointed because I, mm-hmm. I think the Jeff storyline is is really powerful. Um and I think that that would have been really interesting to do on the show. Um but I but I get it that there there's a lot going on um and and that's easier in to have a, you know, see story like that mm-hmm. that gets threaded out in the books, than in the TV show, when you have a little bit less space to breathe, um, but without him there, it felt less like Dawn was stepping into the mom role and more just like her mom was. I I, I like the word flighty, like you mm-hmm. said, because um, it, it's less. It, it is less irresponsible and just a little bit more daffy. It, it's more kind-hearted in a way. Um, Unless, um, where I feel like Dawn has to learn literally learn how to fend for herself. Like, yeah. even the even the joking stuff in the grocery store, um, her mom is getting all waxing poetic about the food, and Dawn's like, Mom, when you do that, we don't eat until 10. But yeah, they eat late, but there's st- her mom's still making dinner and they're still eating,
1: right? Unlike and in the book, where the implication where, is also that they're like cooking together as opposed to like in the book, exactly. where It's like Dawn just fending for herself, has to make dinner for her and Jeff, and her mom is. TBD, like, who knows? Yeah, I, I really appreciated exactly. that, that her mom, they toned down the, the sort of negligent parent type feeling. I mean, I, I obviously, when we talked about, um, in particular, the, uh, Dawn and the Impossible Three book, you and I had a little bit different opinions on Sharon, but, um, I think, even from my opinions of her in the book, I think this is toned down, and I really appreciate that she is more just sort of kooky, like, space cadet kind of mom and, like, going on feelings about dinner and, you know, this I'm, I'm thinking something in the spirit of whatever, like, that kind of thing. And, like, oh, yeah, she puts a, a hand mixer on the the bookshelf, but, like,
0: that's fine. it You know, it's not, like, a bad thing. No, she was just coming home from a good date. Like exactly. are you kidding? The thing with Sharon is it's less like you said negligent and more free spirit. Like it's more mm-hmm. fun, it's more woo-woo earth mother hippy dippy vibe than than feeling like she is in some way missing some basic survival skills right um which is how it sort of came across in the book and and in the book they do they do mention a little bit about the divorce they basically dawn says um that her dad couldn't deal with her mom anymore her mom's like inability to handle herself which like woof, that's a strong statement so yes i really appreciated that that update to the to that tweak to their relationship um I am really curious about how this whole thing is going, though. With the, um, are, is the family still super wealthy? Um, is it still like old money? Is that why did she and Richard break up? Is it still because the parents didn't approve and she's still going to be dating guys named Trip? Like, I'm, I'm very curious to see how the changes to, um, those characters are going to play out with some of those other plot lines, Uh, mostly because it's so unimportant. Like, if we lose Trip, who cares? But just because it's been a really fun thing to rediscover it as an adult, like a fun Mm. little aside, so.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see if they go there because it seems like by the end of this first season, they're much closer to – you know, them getting married, you know, spoiler alert for the books. We Agreed. know that that happens at some point. I do remember in the the next episode, I don't know if we'll actually talk about this because it's sort of a one-off statement, but Sharon does make reference to her family having a bunch of property that they don't know what to do with. Um, in the next episode, yeah. so we at least know. And obviously if her aunt is morbid of destiny who lives next door to Watson, there's at least some kind of money situation there but like i don't know if we're actually going to get any of that i'll be i'm also interested to see if that's going to be a thing or not
0: um one of the re- main reasons i was really thinking about that is because like we we talked a little bit last week um i we haven't talked about the socioeconomic aspects of the show much at all and um we talk about it a little bit in the book but i think it's i think it's definitely an area that we could pay a little bit more critical attention to um and I I think it's fascinating. Um and I think that this is another uh instance of um changing a character's race and have it having really interesting implications for um some of the other characteristics that are established from the book. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you're right. I do remember them them talking about a lot of houses, but um she didn't mention anything about like parents or uh, I don't know. I I'm having a hard time picturing like the barbecue scene with you know right. their uptight grandparents, like that does not seem to me the vibe that I get from the family, so who knows if we, we'll ever go there but right,
1: but definitely something to be aware of and pay attention to for sure.
0: we did not talk about um our love Mark Evan Jackson very much at all
1: yes, he is great i I guess and we i don't we don't need to dive like too deep into this, but I did kind of feel like his reaction to Marianne saying she wanted to wear more grown-up clothes and not wear her hair in braids was almost too easy. You know, like, in the books, Richard is very, like, he has more reasons for it. And obviously, it's more about keeping her young and feeling, I don't know. I just, I felt like he was just like, yeah, do whatever you want. And like, that's not the Richard that we know from the books.
0: So I kind of liked that. I liked that, um, the ri- he's not as cold as the Richard from the books. Um, I I liked that the resolution was not that he was controlling or um, it, even like we said for some we've been empathetic to his reasoning. He lost her mom. He's on his own. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He wants to keep things. He's he's clearly very rigid and and the rigidity has kept. But I liked the thought that. The reason that she is being kept in this babyish mode was not about him as much as about her. Marianne had never stepped up to even ask to have her to have her hair out of braids, and so I liked that that was a, a sort of an aha moment. Like, oh, I could have been doing this long ago if I had advocated for myself sooner. Right? She was keeping um, herself in the babyish clothes and braids as
1: opposed to her dad, exactly. forcing that on her. Which yeah, I liked that makes sense
0: because. It feels far less, like I said, cold and controlling, and it makes Richard a far more likable character to me. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Because that I especially loved, um, and I think we talked about this briefly too. But at one point, the idea that the reason her hair was always in braids was just because that's all he knew how to do, Um, and and I think that there's some interesting things there around you know black hair versus white hair and. That's a whole other conversation that I am certainly not qualified to have, although other than to say, if you haven't seen the animated short Hair Love uh, by Matthew Cherry, please, please watch it. It's so, so cute. Um, that's that's what I know about adorable dads doing um, black hair. But I liked the idea that it was not anything um, – that it was, was something that simple that it just takes a little bit of communication um, and a little bit of um, uh, chutzpah, I guess. Um, I, I mean, like you said, I don't like that the girls ganged up, but this ties to the same idea that good intentions with that executed poorly. Because what they really want for Marianne is, is they're not mad at her for being um, the best babysitter the way that they are in the book. They aren't even really mad at her they're a little annoyed. They they genuinely want her to advocate from herself and obviously don't do a very good job of um, talking to her about that. But I think everybody does a really good job of, of demonstrating that they really want what's best for Marianne. Um, the only one holding herself back is herself and that the real resolution for her is um, – I I think this is where Dawn comes. It plays in a really powerful part because Dawn is not saying really anything different than the other girls are. It's just how the message is presented. Because Dawn is her awesome, empathetic, lovey self, um, and two, it's coming from a relative outsider versus someone who knows you very, very well. Sometimes those messages can be hardest to hear from the people closest to us, um, because it can feel harsh, um, in a way that sometimes someone who doesn't know you as well, who don't, you don't have as much invested in can say something, uh, and you're able to hear it in a different way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, one of the quotes that Marianne has in her, um, voiceover in this episode, I think sort of ties into that. And it really is sort of the message of the entire episode, but, you know, she says, you can't always tell someone's outside, Uh, You can't always tell from someone's outside who they are on the inside, but if you never ask them, they never get a chance to surprise you. And I think that sort of ties Mm -hmm. everything together because both from her perspective or, you know, each of the characters, they they sort of are in their own roles and, you know, what you were just saying. You know, Dawn doesn't know her that well, so she's able to ask the questions and give her the opportunity to sort of, like, look inside herself and, like, surprise herself even. You know, because, like, Dawn telling her – Yeah, be who you are. Like, we're good. We'll just go sit over there. You don't have to share anything at the, you know, moon ceremony, circle, whatever. Like, and so it gives Marianne the chance to say, do I want to try to be the stronger person that everyone's telling me I should be? Am I already that person? And then she gets the opportunity to surprise herself, surprise Richard, surprise the rest of the babysitter's club. And I think it also sort of ties into the fact that, like, at the fight at the beginning, the The rest of the girls are just sort of telling her, don't do this, don't do that, do do this, do do that, as opposed to saying, like, asking the question, you know, like, Marion, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Why, why did you just take that job? You know, she doesn't get the opportunity to sort of step up and, you know, do what they're asking her or not even asking her, do what they're telling her she should be doing because she doesn't – she gets so focused in on this is who I am. I'm always the crybaby. I always apologize. I – I'm just going to say who I am because this is what I'm comfortable with. And they're not giving her the opportunity to surprise them or herself.
0: And I think that that sort of goes back to what I was talking about, having some empathy for Christy earlier. There's – it requires vulnerability to be the Marianne part of this, to step up, especially in the face of people who are um, maybe pushing you to do things in a slightly different way than you're comfortable with. And for Christy – there's some real vulnerability in acknowledging that um the person that you rely on most maybe other than your mom um is going to be growing and changing in ways that don't make sense to you always and i think that's really scary mm-hmm. um and that can feel very um like i said vulnerable um and I, I think that that's a really neat thing that they're that they're doing with this that they're allowing there to be some nuance in these conversations which i i think is really beautiful mm-hmm. Um, all right. Enough of that deep crap. Tell us about the fashion. <laughs> well, obviously, this is the episode that has Claudia's Clueless homage
1: in a yellow plaid yes. suit. She's wearing pants, not a skirt like Cher in Clueless, but it's clearly an, uh, an homage. The designer of the costumes here has specifically said that it's a direct homage, and it's obviously – great and perfect and claudia styles it completely differently than you know alicia silverstone wore a yellow suit in clueless you know she's got a um uh like a statement t underneath and she's got you know a daisy choker necklace and she's wearing her white combat boots and it's a very claudia way of wearing something that we've seen in other ways in you know the actual 90s which
0: is kind of awesome I love that one so much.
1: Um, I also really loved in the first uh Babysitter's Club meeting when they all get in the fight with Marianne, Stacey is wearing this adorable white puff sleeve top with, like, the, the mm-hmm. top. The sleeves are kind of, like, see-through. She's wearing these, like, black leggings, skinny jeans type thing. It's just, like, a very chic look, but it's enough, like, fun that it's not, like, too grown up and it's not too like juvenile because obviously puff sleeves can go either way and it's just like the perfect middle road and I I loved that outfit. I'm like, I want to wear that right now.
0: (laughs) I did note that one. I thought that one was super cute. That top in particular um, was very up my alley. Um, It's not quite fashion, but I did get very excited about Claudia's chair with the hidden compartment. Um, How -hmm. do I get one of those? Seriously, I would you. love
1: that. And I would definitely keep gummy worms and M&M's in mine as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, so probably would I. I really liked, too, that Stacey's uh, contribution was a Marianne's a Boss playlist. I thought that was so cute. Yeah, definitely a good technology update. Yeah, and I thought it was a really sweet way to establish friendship. Like, clearly, mm-hmm. Marianne does not feel a strong sense of friendship with Stacy yet. Um, yeah. We still have the beach vacation coming up to, to get to that. Um, so I like that – I I love that, that mix mixes, no longer mixtapes, but that mixes are still a language of um, communicating something, of mm-hmm. communicating relationships. Um, that, that that is the, – the format may change, but the mix remains eternal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Any other observations or things that we need to talk about before we close Marianne's story for the day? Um, I don't think so, other than saying that um,
1: Bailey's love of sequins might rival my own.
0: <laughs> yes, Bailey is absolutely a girl after your own heart. Um, For sure. Her wardrobe would fit right in. In fact, there were a couple of outfits that I was like, hmm, I think I've seen some variation on that of Kate. <laughs> that was not a Very I so Very true. Seen- <laughs> so many sparkles. <laughs> yes, I have definitely seen some variation of that on you at one point or another for sure. So any other final club business? Um, Other than letting everybody know where to find us, I think I'm done. Okay. Well, you can
1: follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Generation BSC. or if you want to email us, please do so at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. And go ahead, if you feel so inclined, rate, subscribe, review all the you know, end of podcast episode things you hear across the board, but we would love it if you would do that for us as well, if you feel so inclined, obviously. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this emergency meeting episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned.
0: Say hello to-